Well, my my parents don't know about this just yet. I've uh, I've yet to tell them. I really haven't had the courage to tell them, and I, I don't know what they think because I know it's a it's a bit of a social stigma, really, to say, "Mum, Dad, I'm a comedian." I don't. I really don't know how they take it. Hopefully, they'll take it well because my sisters know, and they they've supported me all the way. They say, "James, like you're just you're just like any one of us." I know you're a comedian, but you know there's no reason why you couldn't leave lead a normal life. But um, to be serious, uh, they probably take it with a pinch of salt because I've never invited any of them to my gigs. So they don't know how funny or how unfunny I am. But, I, you know, when I, I lobbed that in with the saying to them that I also do parachute jumping, they, they really take it with a very large pinch of salt because it's not the normal pastime of a 30-year-old, you know, stand-up comedy and parachute jumping. Free-falling funny men. First up, ladies and could you welcome Mr. James Goolsby. Give a round of applause. I've been to a few gigs over the past few years, you know, in the Whelan's and the International Bar, the Comedy Cellar in Dublin. And I decided just to give it a bash. So I rang one of the fellas and booked a date. And it was about the beginning of September. I rustled up a whole bunch of mates. And they all barreled into the Comedy Cellar in Wicklow Street in Dublin. That was in September. It went okay, I thought. Obviously, people had a few things to say, like, you know, what's your language and stuff like that. Um, a few of the comedians gave me a few tips on, you know, things like, um, you know, don't be frothing at the mouth and, uh, uh, you know, try and keep control of your bowels when you're on stage, stuff like that. Next gig is a pretty big one. I got an open mic slot in Murphy's Laughter Lounge on the Keys, which is about the biggest place you can play in Dublin. The funny thing is that tomorrow night's gig, which is the 17th of December, actually coincides with the Lotus Christmas party and Lotus is where I work in Dublin in software and none of them know this none of them know that I'm going to be announced on stage and I'm going to have to come on stage and do me 10 minutes so uh, this is the height of my career so far my glorious 12th gig where do you get your material from? Uh, nowhere in particular to be honest with you it must come from somewhere well, well it does well it comes from <laughs> don't be getting so narky with me <laughs> uh, it comes from everywhere, basically. Uh, actually, most of, about half of tomorrow night's gig, which for me is about five minutes, is all based in religion. Uh, I can't wait to see their reaction when I go on stage tomorrow night because none of them know about it. And uh, when whoever's MC tomorrow night when they announce me coming on stage, because I'm going to have to make myself scarce for fifteen minutes and they'll be all going, "Jesus, where's Goldsbury Galte? Where the blade now's the big long agent?" And they hear whoever's on tomorrow night, Darrow Brain saying, No, James Goldsbury. So, why don't you be very, very nice to the first one coming up? Like, I mean, we have just better check the order of the two lads are coming through. Yes, we are. Yeah, okay, grand. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, because they are new, I want you to give loads of love. Clapping, clapping, clapping the whole time they're on. First up, ladies and gentlemen, could you welcome Mr. James Goldsbury? Give him a round Work. 
Where are IBM? Fair information, Lotus are down here. And they have bitched and moaned since the day they were bought out. And uh, all I ever heard for years, all I ever heard for, for years in mass was that. Uh, but uh, all I ever remember of Mass, the only bit of Mass I ever remember was when the priest said, uh, I know a letter from St. Paul to the Corinthians. <laughs> I got to thinking, St. Paul wrote millions of letters to the Corinthians, and not once did he ever get a reply to all his letters. I mean, all it would have taken was a postcard, you know, uh, St. Paul uh, arrived in Jardendale Corinthian about half hour in the morning got settled into the apartment went to a wine bar drank the place dry met this bloke called Jesus turned all the water into wine just a great trick with loaves and fish got into a bit of grief with the Romans but uh, see you in two weeks the Corinthians I'm going to leave you very briefly with this thought. What's this, right? All right. All right. Fuck yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. Now, this one, uh, your man says, you passed on 49 questions. The bear in rainbow is called Bungle. All right, yeah. Bollocks. <laughs> Thank you, folks, for laughing. Merry Christmas. That was brilliant. That was a lot better. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. He's the best in the world. I hardly know him at all. I only came in here tonight and I just saw him up there and I thought, okay, that guy, he's outstanding. He stands out over all those guys who were up there today. Why? What, what is it about him? He's just got a natural talent for it. Like he stands up, he actually looks funny before he actually says anything. Maybe it's the goofy hairstyle. I don't know what it is. And the funny belly. So, uh, I think I could become pretty accustomed to this uh, stand-up comedy life because they're plying me with, with free drink, and you probably can tell by my slurred voice that uh, I'm taking, I'm really taking that free drink on board. But. Uh, yeah, I was talking to some of the friends from uh, Lotus, and they said, "Yeah, you were getting good laughs, you know, good good ripple through the audience." And uh, I thought the, the the church thing, the mass thing, where he pretend to be a priest, going, I thought that went pretty well. Um, you see Dara over here, and just gonna walk over now. Dara, yeah. <coughs> the open mic slot is quite an important slot, do you think? I mean, what's the function of the open mic slot? The open mic slot is important uh, just because it's the first one you do, uh, and. Uh, Tonight, actually, I think James had a lot of friends in, which is always a very good thing to have because it gives you a bit of emotional support on the night and a bit of noise. So, like, I mean, as you heard, it went down very well. And I'm not going to make any big predictions for the future. Uh, I'll leave that in the hands of the audiences. But, the, uh, but he did well tonight, but it's a slow enough kind of progress up to open spots and half spots and then full spots and stuff. 
it's very strong in Dublin at the moment. The only thing is, that just puts it up to the Irish comedians to keep writing loads and loads of stuff, which is, it'll die, it'll wither on the vine if people don't keep renewing what they're doing and making it worthwhile for people to come back to shows. And that's the first thing your man's got to learn, uh, James, which is, like, keep writing stuff and keep new stuff coming out all the time. We're in Tignochton, Tignochton, in Galway, and we're getting getting the beer into us. And uh, I was just going over a few few of my lines of my new stuff, my nursery rhyme crime line, which I'm going to use tonight. Use, use my my patented 100% guaranteed sandwich joke sandwich technique, where you sandwich a crap joke or a new a new joke within two two good jokes. Is this how you'd normally prepare for a gig? Is uh, by starting drinking at four o'clock. <laughs> Not really, no. Although I've done about 20 gigs since last October. And uh, of all of them, I haven't been drunk before any of them. This is the one that I'm, I'm going to be drunk before. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So there's a possibility you, you could... Could all go horribly wrong, you mean? Yeah. But I, I'm willing to take that risk. Let that, let that chat through. Here, this is this me, look, hi on. Open mic. Sunday, March 28th, Time Out Award winner, Matt Welcome, Crazy David Doherty, and fantastic open mic sucker, James Goldsberg. Wrong spelling, of course, that's crap. That's a, that's a real morale builder, that is. <laughs> I'm sure I'll go down in flames. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm going in to meet Jerry Mallon and uh, see what the story is and see when I'm on and how long I've got and etc. etc. This is my first gig out of Dublin. It's just a, it's just a crazy world, this stand up comedy world, like one. One weekend you're on the keys in Dublin, next year in Galway. It's just, it's just mad, I tell you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the uh, nice open mic sucker. Sorry, tag on the poster. A misprint. Very good of you. <laughs> Real morale builder. Oh, it's, a, it's a classy joint. Okay, this is the, oh, yeah, the club in here. Right? It certainly is. Right, um, the club in here, stage, mic, lights. Yeah. So the running order is, um, I'll go up, do 10. Um, bring, okay. on the, bring on the opening acts. We do 20, take a 10 minute break. Uh, I'll go back up again to five power pack minutes. You'll yeah. walk onto a sea of love. <laughs> ten minutes. Hell, ten minutes, yeah. Yeah, and then they'll carry your shoulder high into Air Square and election. Fantastic. Mayor of Galway. Will I get to make love to loads of beautiful women as well? Yeah. And oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Nice Thanks, Jerry. Back at the hotel room. So you'll be all right, you know. <laughs> um, then I go back on, bring on the main act's joke competition at the end and yeah. pair with tables and chairs and let's go disco dancing. So no. Are you taking a risk here? I'm not really. I mean, I've had some open spotters up here who it must have seemed funny sometime in their bedsit or in their house or, <laughs> or in the voices in their head because when they walk up on the stage, they've just they've nothing prepared and they, they're like rabbits in front of headlights sometimes. They just stand up and think, oh, yeah, that's a dot. I could do that. And then they stand up on the stage here and whew, sometimes they bounce spectacularly. Sometimes they go well, but so I'm, in that respect, I'm not taking it. Unless he... Um, Pulls out a machete from under his jacket or something and attacks the audience. <laughs> no, machetes, they, they come later. I won't be. No, no machetes oh. in the act tonight. It's quite a good room because it, nearly anywhere you are in the room, you can see the act. It's sort of like a, when you're standing on stage, you're playing to 180 degree. So any visual stuff, you have to kind of work it around the room. But uh, they are a good, lively audience and they're, they're up for it, you know. They've seen plenty, so. Um, are, they, what, are, are there many hecklers? Um... There is if they're in the form for, but it's gentle. It's not um, vitriolic yeah. or angry, you know. It's, it's, it's good-natured yeah. and it's quite witty and 
articulate. It's not like, get off your shite or any of that kind of stuff, you know. How, how do you handle hecklers yourself? Or uh, do you get them? They're so used to me, I just get stuck into them. And, stuck but I, I don't get too stuck into them because sometimes an audience, if you're, you know, if you're tough on the heckler and you keep, you know, you keep going back to them and putting them down, it, might, it can sometimes work against you because yeah. they're like, oh, leave him alone. You know, he's, he's paid, he's five or six quid in. Are you going to be paid anything for this gig? Or? Nah, nah. I haven't really been paid anything for any of the gigs. They're all open mic slots and it's, I'm still at the bottom of the ladder. After 20 gigs, still at the bottom of the ladder. But uh, I'm crawling my way to the top like like the pathetic slug that I am. So with much warmth, it's only his first or second time on the stage doing um, stand-up. With as much warmth and love as he can muster, would you put your hands together and give a big warm welcome to James Goldsbury! How's it going? You all right? Yeah. You having a great time? I was going to say, a friend of mine, his dad was a guard, and he used to read these poems. I just fucking mind this one. He used to have, his dad was a guard, and his dad used to, I was always going on about nursery rhymes when he'd read these nursery rhymes to him, and he'd say, Humpty uh, Dumpty sat in the wall. Humpty Dumpty fell or was pushed from the wall. <laughs> Two individuals in tracksuits are seen leaving the scene. <laughs> Gardy and Ross Gray would like our help. Missing uh, Parsons now, and Mr. Wee Willy Winky, seen running through the town upstairs and downstairs, wearing nothing but his nightgown. His relatives are anxious to trace his whereabouts. <laughs> Missing cutlery now. <laughs> you know the punchman. <laughs> Hickory dickory dock. A mouse was seen running up a clock. Any little dog laughed. Our dogs. Yeah, to see such fun. And a dish apparently made away with a spoon. Some items of cutlery, a VCR, a Sony Nintendo. <laughs> but I'll leave you this, I'm just going to leave you this very short joke. What's this, right? Magnus Magnus and says, You pass on 42 questions. <laughs> the name of the Baron Rainbow is called Bongo. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much and good night. I would have one quid in that um, a couple of the pieces that he did, I'd heard them before. Um, one of them, I believe, is uh, it's uh, not word for word, but it was very like a piece that I'd seen above all people, Hal Roach doing about the Corinthians. And the other piece um, was about um, the impression of the contestant at the end of Mastermind. It's a piece by Barry Murphy. Now, um, I mean, I'm, I haven't met him since. I just said, well done, after I'm reluctant to say it to him because 
I don't want to bring him down and stuff, you know, because he, 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 he did do very well. I mean, that, that, that stuff with the guards and stuff was inspired and it was really, really good and struck a chord with the crowd. It was very, very good. But when I heard the other two pieces that I'd heard before done by other comics, I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, maybe that guard piece could be on some lost tape, comedy tape somewhere in the country, you know. And so in the comedy stand-up comedy circuit at the moment, it's like it's, it's tantamount to... The worst, most heinous crime he can do is to do other people's material. Um, would you have him back again? I would have him back again because I think he has got he's got good confidence, he's got good persona, good stage presence, but only if he promised never to do anybody else's stuff again. You know. Yeah, uh, felt it went really well, and uh, I'm reaping the benefits now because we met so many women after it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a great night. It was a great practice. Good venue. Yeah, it was good response from the crowd. Like to get back there someday, you know. Did Jerry say he'd have me back after last night? I wasn't really talking to him after. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what he taught me. Were you? Mm. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what did he say? <laughs> Go on, what? Well, he, to be quite honest, he, he mentions the source of some of your material, you know. And he was wondering, he heard something a couple of gags before. Right. Um, and in, in his books, he said that's, that's a cardinal sin for a comedian to, uh, to really high show stuff, you know. I mean, is, where did you get the mastermind gag from? The mastermind one is actually, and I'll tell you this now, that I didn't make that up, but that a friend of mine did make it up. And somebody claimed that he t- took that from somewhere, but uh, he said, Pat made that up, you know, Pat. Or, uh, he said, "No, no, that, that's my gag." So I, I'm, I'm borrowing it from him. James, we're at uh, Dublin Airport. Um, where are we going? What's happening? Uh, you're off to London. I'm off to yeah, London. See if the streets are paved with gold. Um, managed to get two open mic slots in uh, Jonglers, if that's how you pronounce it, in Battersea tomorrow night. That's Saturday and at 9 o'clock and a midnight open mic slot in the comedy store in Leicester Square so I'm uh, going to spend a couple of nights there and a few mates of mine are going to come along to the gig and uh, um, you got some good news recently about uh, a competition that's going to be happening in Vicker Street uh, can you tell me a bit about that and uh, what it means or what's going to happen yeah um, I submitted a tape that was recorded in Murphy's to uh, the BBC New Comedy Awards and it was I'm in the final six in the BBC New Comedy Awards in Vicar Street that's in May um, it's been run by the comedy platform and I think they, they got about 25 or 30 tapes so they must have liked what they heard in mine
inhales a lovely shower for you with towels and etc. and nice Betsy's bits under there. Okay. Right. When, when, your other, when the other comedians come along this evening, I'll introduce you. Well, I won't actually. Mavis will. Right. She'll introduce you to them. Okay. So you know where they are. As Mavis explained to you about the green light. No, not yet. No. Right. Let me. Okay. Let me explain to you. You're doing ten minutes tonight. Norma's already gone through that with you, hasn't she? Norma Gaunt. No. No. Well, I know it's ten minutes. Wonderful. You're doing ten minutes. You'll be flashed on eight. Right. Okay? That leaves you two minutes left. Okay. I'll show you where the green light is so you're clear. And right. Just flash or stay on so you know where you are. Right. Are you happy? Yeah. Good. Would you like something to eat? N- no. Not yet. Some cocaine, maybe. No. <laughs> I don't have any no. of that. <laughs> but I can get you some fish and chips. All right. Yeah. All right, James. I'll be your uh, compere for tonight. Yeah. All right. So don't worry. Okay. All right, you've got that lady sitting down in the front there, breasts that look like two bald headed yeah. convicts trying to escape. Yeah, She'll be okay. No, certainly. All right, and don't worry about the fruit and veg that they'll be throwing at you. Okay. They'll still be in the tins, but not to worry. Good, good. All right, and just go out there and give it your best shot. They're going to love you. Right. God. <laughs> Thank you, Rudy. <laughs> People out there would be aware of who she is. I wouldn't think, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know who she is. Okay. But I'm not. A lover of sport. Yeah. So. Simon, lovely. Simon, what's wrong? Stressed. What's oh, come on. in Brixton. I know. Knee deep in traffic. Simon, calm, calm. Let me introduce you, please, Simon, to this lovely chap. Hello, he's, nice our to o- he's our nice open. He's our open spot this evening. Oh, he's doing ten minutes. Nice and his name's James. James. Nice to meet you, James. Okay. Can I use the toilet, please? You go and use the toilet. Simon's much. obviously very stressed. I'm very stressed. Well, use the toilet. Calm down. All these stressful comedians, honestly, eh? They're so temperamental, aren't you, all of you? Yes. Any advice for this guy, please? For tonight, through your accent, slow down. Yeah. The most important... The one thing that Irish acts suffer from is when they come over here, or like, especially here because they're a bit middle class, a bit knobby, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, they think they're better. Sometimes they think they're better than the, than the comics, you know? Yeah, yeah. So just slow down. Right. Take your time, slow down. Yeah. Um, any hecklers or anything like that? This is the early show, so seven thirty early show. So this is their night out. They so won't be too pissed. pissed off, yeah. So you know you'll probably be all right. Yeah. But you know you never know. You might get a table of lads who've been on the piss since lunchtime. Do you know what I mean? Please go. James has gone on down to the comedy store later on for the midnight show. Is there anything particular about that that would? Uh... Yeah, just slow down, take your time, don't let them throw you. Especially there because you. Like I say, again, you're going to get, because it's in the West End, you know, you're going to get 10, 20% of the audience who are up, up on the piss. Yeah. But you never know how it's going to go. It could be really perfect at the store. Because, yeah. I mean, even, I mean, like, you know, if you're going to be coming over here regularly and stuff, the best thing you can do is just watch other people just to see how they play those bigger rooms. Because, I mean, you're coming over here for the first time and you pick, and you pick genres, Battersea and the comedy store. You know, do you really want to be in any more deep water? <laughs> so, James, about to go on. Uh. <laughs> uh, little intimidating, but uh, uh, talking to the other fellas, they seem to think it's a good crowd in tonight. It does absolutely nothing for me whatsoever. Um, tonight is really an acid test to see, I think, see how good I really am because uh, this will see how, how well my jokes can travel, you know. Uh, what with the you know, references to the Gardaí and all this kind of stuff, which uh, are going to be coming thick and heavy in one of the things I do. So, um, Hopefully they'll take it on board and laugh their Sosnick heads off. Are you back up for a new act tonight? 
To be honest, I think James got off to a terrible start. I mean, the first thing that he mentioned was the fact that um, there was a bomb in Brixton and he related that to the fact that he was Irish and there wasn't a gag to go with it. And uh, straight away, he basically uh, lost the audience from there. And then there was the big struggle with um, the England-based references and trying to get you know, his Irish references across based on the fact that he only had 10 minutes. So he didn't really get a chance to develop his persona. I guess out, out of 10, I'd say he's, he's got a six. So that's pretty good. It's quite generous. Yeah, I like to be generous because I remember what it was like when I first started um, coming down to Jonglers as a um, black stand-up comedian in a predominantly white middle-class area talking about um, black issues and things that concerned me. And I, at first, I'm looking at the audience and I'm, seeing, I'm sensing a, a sense of indifference. So I can imagine what it's like for somebody who comes over from somewhere else trying to get their humour across so I'm always um, personally on the side of the comedian right? unless they are absolutely terrible I mean the moment I got back on stage the energy was still in the room, people were still up for a laugh, so it wasn't like he bombed Yeah, I've just finished in uh, Junglers <laughs> not, not very successful um, it just so happens someone detonated a bomb in, in, a, in a shop an Iceland star in Brixton and uh, I went on stage and said oh see you see thinking it was hilarious <laughs> I thought it'd be hilarious thinking uh, oh see the IRA have uh, got stuck into Brixton that Icelandic Republican army they do it every time and that was just chronic it was um, Jesus Christ in hindsight must be out of my mind saying it in England so I'm obviously not going to do it in the comedy store we're, we're in a taxi now on the way from Jonglers in Battersea to Leicester Square and uh, I'm going to have to have a bit of an old, an old rethink I think about the, the evening's jokes because there'll be none of that IRA stuff at all there's only messing you'll have the audience throwing battles at you so um, 
yeah, I'll have to find a quiet space and um, have a good, good think about what I'm doing and where I'm going, and give myself a good clip around here and say, cop yourself on, young fella. I mean, England or Dublin and London are only, you know, a matter of a few hundred miles apart. But I thought the jokes would, would travel at least that distance, but they they didn't. Has it made you think twice about, you know, whether you want to continue with this or not? No, not at all. Not at all. How dare you insinuate? <laughs> I am. Um, no, I've I've died before. <laughs> I've died a couple of times on stage, and it's, it's never in front of three hundred and fifty people. No, never in front of 350 people. It's the scariest feeling in the world. I mean, I've done parachute jumping and that was scary. I had nearly a parachute malfunction and it was, wasn't. It doesn't even compare in scariness to going down in flames in front of 350 people. Why do you do it? Why do I do it? Um, it's just... Uh, when it goes great, it's, it's really a great feeling. I mean, I was in Murphy's on Thursday night last... And it went brilliant. I was only on for six minutes. And I don't mean to be blowing me on trumpet, but people were coming up saying, Jesus Christ, I mean, you were brilliant. You were great. We were falling around laughing. And it was it was great. And you were only on for six minutes. Why did you only stay on for so long? So that's why I do it. It's, it's a great feeling when it goes great. But it's the worst feeling in the world when when it just doesn't work. That's it. <laughs> and, uh, here we are. Are we pulling up outside the comedy store? I can't even see it. Thanks. Oh my God, we're here! Another, another, another opportunity to go down in flames. Coming up. Much that next time forty, Chris. Time forty. Please welcome the second act tonight in a shorter spot. Please Mr. James Goldsbury. Cheers. How's it going? Yeah, I have a wee confession to make here now. I, I was this um, this is my second gig in uh, London, and uh, I don't have a confession to make. I was in a jungle house in a Battersea, and I was a load of shite. So much so, in fact, that it has affected my accent to the extent that I no longer speak with the accent that I had because I'm actually from Dublin, not fucking Scotland at all. But. Uh, I used to remember the way my dad used to say, when I was going to Mass, my dad used to say to me, Oh, that what you playing outside that played in church. And all you'd ever hear from the priest was, But I don't know about Protestantism and Church of England, but in, in uh, Irish churches, the priest used to always say, I know we'll have a reading or a letter from St. Paul to the Corinthians. Now, for weeks and weeks and weeks, St. Paul, he was writing these letters to the Corinthians, and not once did they have the decency to reply to all of his letters. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I wasn't asking you. Um, they, uh... <laughs> what? What's, well, come on, come on. Come on, if you're so smart, come on. Come on, Caroline. Come on, you tots. Shat eats. Shat eats. Shat eats. I can go on all night. Yeah, it would. Well, anyway, getting back to the 
car was detained leaving the scene containing satanic material and a 27 heads. A man is in custody and he's helping the guard here with the inquiries or even the police. But, um, I used to, also, an uncle of mine, he used to, um, he used to read nursery rhymes to me before I was going to bed. Oh. You're, really, you're asking for it. Wearing a dress like that? Bet you don't even have a bra on. <laughs> ah, shut up. <laughs> ah, shut Do you know what? <laughs> no, no, shut up. No, listen. Don't you, don't you. At the end of the day, love, it's me that's getting paid, not you. No, but still on the subject of nursery rhyme, crime line. They should have a pro... <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Right, that's it. I'm never coming back here again. Good night. <laughs> and that's a promise. You only caught the end of the game, Kevin, but that didn't seem to be going too well. Uh, no, it didn't. Uh, I didn't know what was going on because I didn't recognise him and uh, it seemed to be a bit of a mutiny. <laughs> it's like somebody came on and insulted all the English people at once or something. I didn't know what was going on. It was like a nightmare. It's going off, off, off. And <laughs> I was just going, who is this guy? <laughs> did, did your heart go out somewhere? Sorry? Did your heart go out? It did go out, but I didn't have enough time to go out. I was just quite bemused by the whole thing. It was quite out of the blue. But my heart went out to him when I came back, of course, yeah. It's not a nice thing. I think every comedian goes to dine at some stage or other. But like you were saying, 20 gigs isn't much. Like, the store and jonglers are like the top, top of the circuit here, you know? Like, people after doing 20 gigs, even on the London circuit here, don't really do these venues. So I don't think you should let it set you back. Or, you know, yeah, I think yeah. you should put it down to a unique experience that not many people get at the twice, stage twice, you're at. Twice in the night. Nick, you were the convert to me. Uh, what, what did you think about it? I mean, uh, it was difficult for James, but... Uh... Well, yeah, it's difficult for James, but as, as I was saying to him, I think perhaps it's too early in his career to be doing such a sort of high-pressure venue and to refer to the fact that you've already had a hard night elsewhere in London at the same night. It's almost like going out and saying, oh, by the way, I'm shit. Before I do anything, I must tell you that I'm absolutely rubbish. And, it, you know, it sort of upset the balance of his act and therefore, um, as a compere, I had to go on and... I could not not refer to the fact, you know, it, it made it a bit awkward, but I just think it's too early in, in James's career to come out and play such a high-profile venue. James, it's about um, 40 minutes after your... Adventure. I mean, you were lost for words up there. You said. Yeah. Well, I was. I was basically being torn apart by blood thirsty hounds. Yeah. Uh, it went. It went really bad. Really, really, really bad. Um, the manager came in and uh, or the owner, Dan, I think Dan is his name, came in and took me apart for a. Uh, calling his customers uh, slags and I, I don't think I'll be invited back <laughs> put it that way but uh, according to the other comedians that were here they were saying uh, you were thrown in at the deep end you know I mean you, you'd want two, 200 gigs under your belt before you do the comedy store 
are junglers. And I mean, I've only been doing 20 odd gigs under my belt. So I'll just stick with it. I mean, will you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just because you go down in flames, just, you know. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal, like one of the worst nights of my life. But you have to laugh at these things. I mean, I'm still standing, I still have my foot, two legs and arms and stuff. It's uh, supposed to be cocaine. <laughs> it's actually Adlam's cream flour. I bought it today. Uh, I was trying out the stuff tonight that I'm going to use next Friday night at the BBC New Talent, New Comedy Awards. I believe that uh, you, you got your first paid gigs here coming up. Uh, that, was, that was very good news. Yeah, uh, Murphy's of Peter Mann. He's given me my first paid gigs, 17th, 18th, 19th of June. So I'll do about 10 minutes for each of them. It's, it's great. It's like a, I don't know what you call it, a vindication of your comedy prowess or whatever so uh I'm delighted with that the hard work seems to be paying off to a certain extent yeah seems to be ready yeah this is a tough call by I tell you I wouldn't like to be you it's not like that. you're going up on your own normally you're better off bringing the lead with you that's why you're the two yeah, of us hang around together. together we'd never go anywhere on our own I wouldn't. No, no, I'm not that of that persuasion now. Oh, no, no, no we're not, no, we're not, we're not no. friends oh, like sorry, that, that now no, like, that type of are they friends or are they friends no it's just a bit of backup yeah backup backup yeah even if you just had lead standing in the aisles yeah yeah standing there yeah I used to bring my mother with me to some of the gigs and I started off because of the amount of abuse I used to get at the start yeah mothers are very handy at situations like that yeah well my mother hasn't seen me yet she hasn't of course a bit too much we won't bring you. her along because I tell you, you know, that's when you, she she hasn't seen you at all. That's the great thing about she family. You know, <laughs> when things, when the fellas says, when the thing hits the fan, the mothers are great to stand by you, you know. So when the slagging starts and the heckler yeah, starts, yeah. To, you need somebody like a mother to go down and Bates sort them out, really, yeah. you know. Stick. Stick and bait them out. Mammy was always good at that. Just hold on to your tickets at all times when you're walking out of any, okay? Thank you. No, I'm not nervous, no, I'm not nervous. You must, be, you must be proud of him at this time. I am, yeah, I'm very proud. Always was very proud of him. Always very proud of him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, could you please welcome your host for the evening, Mr. Fred McCauley. What an audience you are, they're fantastic. I'd love to do the whole gig myself, I can't. Uh, and we've got a couple of, we've got three gaps there. I wonder why. Do you think that'll be three competitors, mums and dads, outside, throwing up? <laughs> They're that nervous. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, we're going to do a bit of practice applause and cheering for when the acts come on, because that, that's basically just cause the, the muted, sort of tepid applause that I got when I came on just frankly isn't good enough. <laughs> the count of three, I want to hear the kind of reception you're going to give them. One, two, three. What's he have to do with his epitaphs? Especially under an automatic hand and face dryer. <laughs> I was watching them, watching Glen Row recently. Those of you who don't know what Glen Row is, it's like an Irish version of Dallas, except with fruit and veg and cow shite. <laughs> the ratings in uh, Glen Row have begun to drop recently, so they should jazz up the, the signature tune with some rap music. Get, get the viewers in, you know. Basically, the new signature tune for Glen Row is going to go like this. You ready? <laughs> Boom, Jackie, that guy from Culture, a rude boy from the Glen Row Patsy in the house, Sam. Turn up a chick in the Glen Row style, in a cup of milk with Billy and Miley. 
that chick Betty, she is such a bitch. She can talk to grow up a track that hitch. Little marijuana, it be a pound. So fair price for this cheap amount of pound. I thought it went very well. Really very well. Yeah. I think she's still sniffing his jacket. <laughs> I'm his godmother. But listen, Joan was very worried when he was born because he was only half the size he is today. So we were. <laughs> we all, we all had to pray a lot for his recovery. We're still praying. The winner of the BBC New Comedy Awards Dublin final is David O'Doherty. It certainly has been a journey, hasn't it? And to take and ten, we laughed, we cried, <laughs> we cried, I cried, you laughed. <laughs> but ah, uh, oh yeah, it's been great. I mean, just keep on. I was going to say banging away, but <laughs> you just keep firing away, you know. All right, listen, thanks a million. All right, right. And hard luck on the. I'm sure you were. No worries. A close second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.